Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Super Coach Champions Podcast. Uh, you got Bear here, and as always, I'm joined by Catfish. How are you going, mate? I'm I'm a little shattered right now. We're recording this on a Tuesday night, second of February. Just found out that Anthony Milford's broken his hand, so I'm processing that. But that's okay. Uh, aside from that, I was really excited about Super Coach. I've been doing a lot of prep, doing a lot of study, research. Uh, I was getting hyped up for the start of the season, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll recover. Don't worry about that. <laughs> How about yourself? Yeah, nah, mate, all good. Just um, getting back into the swing of things at school and um, yeah, nah, it's, uh, enjoying being back at work. So um, looking forward to the season kicking off again. So I'm getting a bit antsy for that. So um, yeah, all good, but looking forward to this episode too. Yeah, so, um, you know, we already got rid of Joe Fitz. We'd had enough after him after one episode. No, just kidding. He's, he's getting a week off uh, because we've got another special guest this week. Um, we'll introduce him straight off the bat. So I've got, we're joined by Andrew. You might know him better um, by his handle, Carlos the Dwarf. Uh, he does some uh, articles for the Supercoach Talk website. Uh, you've probably seen his buy, sell, hold article. You also might know him from the Rugby League Eye Test, or maybe you don't know him from there, but you may have heard that website. It has been churning out some absolute gold in terms of stats and just basically numbers-based and um, radar graph analysis. <laughs> but uh, welcome, Andrew. Uh, we're so uh, pleased to have you join us, and we're looking forward to yeah picking your brain uh, about a lot of stats and everything else. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Wilfred. It's uh, great to join you guys. Um, really looking forward to this episode as well. So, look, before we dive into things, let's get to know you a little bit. I know you've done some podcasting. Um, you've been guest before on the, uh, the Supercoach, rep- uh, the SE Report, rather. Uh, but it's your first time joining us. So, a little bit about yourself. So, firstly, Carlos the Dwarf. I mean, I know it's a bit of an obscure reference. Uh, Freaks and Geeks is a show that I did watch back in the day. Why, what is with that handle? Like, what's, what's, what appealed to you about it? Uh, it was just a weird, uh, a weird throwaway line on an episode where James Franco's character was playing Dungeons and Dragons with the uh, geeks in the show. And they uh, forced him to name his character and he just sort of said, Oh, my name's Carlos. And they're what? Carlos the dwarf. And he said, Yeah. And it's just a, just a throwaway thing. And it was just a, yeah, at the time I just, no, thought, oh, that's a good handle. I'll, I'll use that and didn't expect to be using it for so long or have it be a, a thing sort of however many years later. I won't lie. The first time I, I saw, uh, you know, I thought your name was actually Carlos. I'm like, surely that's the only reason he's using that handle. I, I, I do get that a lot, but no, no, definitely not. That's good. And look, how long have you been playing Supercoach for? Uh, I think it was around 2011 or 2012. I can't remember the exact first year, but it's around that that time. And uh, I've had some some good years and some bad years. I had a couple of top 1,000 finishes. I think it was top 500 in 2017. But my um, odd years seem to be no good, but the even years seem to do well. Last year was about 8,400th. So fingers crossed for a better odd year this year with 2021. So 84th. Hundredth, and yet you're still the highest rank out of the three of us on this podcast this week. <laughs> We've moved on from that. <laughs> Look, like I said, full transparency, mate. We're we're, we're not going to hide from our poor finishes. But look, this is why we're we're digging in deep. We're we're here to prepare for 2021, making sure we you know understand what's what really happened with 2020. 
And, uh, you know, like I said, Rugby League Eye Test, it's a fantastic site. I mean, do you want to introduce it a little bit more so for those who have never come across the site before? Yeah, so the uh, website is just www.rugbyleagueeyetest.com. I've just moved it to its own site over the weekend. Um, and so basically I just every week look after look through some of the top line stats in in the NRL. So it's sort of more from a uh, overall game perspective, so rather than on a player-by-player player or necessarily a team-by-team team basis, but say what's happening in rugby league as a whole. So we might look at some trends with, you know, run meters by a team or how someone's, you know, using their interchange or is there a trend with kicking or something? And we can get into some of these a bit later. But yeah, it's sort of a, a more top level view of, of statistics in rugby league. There's not a great deal of that online. So I thought that's a, a good um, point of difference. And um, it sort of started as a, as a, a purely a hobby to um, keep my skills fresh for, I do a similar type of thing for my, um, day job and it's just a way of sort of enhancing and keeping my skills up while um, uh, through the COVID period when I had a bit more free time and it's sort of spiraled out of there and I've had some great feedback from all parts of the game and it's yeah just hopefully we'll go on to bigger and better things this season. Speaking of which so what what do you, what do, you do for a living what is your day job? Uh, so I am a data analyst so it's sort of basically the same thing but uh, look at different different types of data. Okay so you analyze data for a living and in your spare time, you also analyze more data. Uh, what else do you do with yourself aside from an analyzing data? Well, if um, one of the things I got grilled about last year on my Supercoach Talk podcast uh, uh, appearance was uh, Animal Crossing. So I'm a bit of a, I do play video games as well. And Animal Crossing has been one of my uh, passions over the last 12 months. Um, also big into NBA and basketball, um, just sports in general. But uh, yes, but rugby league is one of my, big gloves and being able to um, use my skills to my, my work skills that is to analyze some of the data and keep my um, talents and skills fresh for whatever career I end up well, wherever I go with my career was just something I decided to do in the last 12 months and yeah it just paid off so animal crossing and rugby league data analysis that is quite a combo and I know you're impartial to a bit of Japanese wrestling as well Yes, I do enjoy Japanese professional wrestling. Not as much over the last uh, 12 months with the pandemic. There's been a, a bit of a decline in uh, all sorts of events, Events, so there hasn't been as much, but that is something else I used to um, yeah, enjoy as well, but not so much in the last 12 months. That's certainly a, a, a really wide a range of uh, interests and hobbies, so that, it's fascinating to me. Um, what's more fascinating, and Guy, probably you can weigh on this, where do you find time to play video games? Because I understand you've got children right <laughs> i have zero time I, I don't know how you do that well, i don't have much time so i probably and animal crossing is a great game in that i can play 15 or 20 minutes and get to sort of clears my mind and i get some things done and it's that's that's over with so i don't have a lot of time for it so i just sort of take whatever 10 or 15 minute increments i can get every night and just uh make the most of it right so the secret is find a game you can play for just 10 15 minutes a night and then, then you can call yourself a play as, as, as a video gamer in your spare time. Yeah, so I used to spend a lot more time than I do now, previously before kids, and one of my big loves was a strategy game called Europa Universalis. Um, and, I won't, and again, we won't go into any more of that, but uh, the type of games and time I have for games has changed dramatically. As you both mentioned, having kids is a, uh, takes a lot of your free time away. It just certainly a does. Hot, a hot tip from the Supercoach champs if you're, Male, not married, don't have kids and you love it. Video games, keep it that way. (laughs) 
Look, the the only thing I will offer up there is that sometimes having a child can set you up to, if you get that perfect sweet spot, so when they're a certain age and you're coming into the rugby league season and you're spending a lot of time, maybe you're helping settle them to sleep or whatever, that can be prime super coach research time. Uh, that that the, the planets aligned for me in 2016 and that's where I you know, was able to nail a lot of my research and obviously that paid off for me big time that year. So don't, I mean, sure, yeah, I, I certainly uh, don't get to spend my time playing video games anymore, which is uh, certainly something I'm... It took a while to adjust to, but there are some ways that it can pay off. Fatherhood, that is. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be trading it for, I wouldn't trade it away for that. So I I'm, love my kids. So I'm very happy to make that sacrifice. Uh, that's This is wholesome content right off the bat here. But <laughs> let's let's get back to the super coach. Um, so, you know, obviously last week we spoke about, you know, some of our observations from 2020 and kind of working out what is the truth about it whether it was an outlier season, whether it's something that we you know, expected to continue on. Um, you know, we, we, sh- we all felt that 2020, the game sped up once the, the new rules came in. Uh, we thought that there was more points being scored and all of that kind of stuff. So I thought this is a perfect opportunity to get you uh, with all your data analysis to come in and, and help us out with that. So what is the truth about 2020 in a nutshell? Would you say that... Um, you know, our eye test observations were accurate or, you know, are we a bit off? Um, So I'm going to do a little bit of fence sitting here and say uh, partially yes and partially no. Um, So there was definitely more stuff happening. So the time in play was up from about 54 minutes a game to 57 minutes. That's around 6%. So you'd be sort of looking for all the individual stats to be also up around 6% if all things were equal. Um, the interesting thing about the time in play being up about 3% is that it wasn't consistent throughout the year. So from rounds 3 to 12, once they had the introduction of the set restarts and one referee post um, the COVID break, time in play was up about 9%. But then if you look at rounds 12 to 20, it was actually only up about 1.6%, which is negligible. So it wasn't a consistent increase in time in play. And there's probably a few reasons for that. There were a lot of lopsided games in the second half, um, but there were also some inconsistent applications of set restarts, I would probably say. Um, I don't want to necessarily use the M word, which uh, I think was Ivan Cleary used was managed, but there's some inconsistency with set restart awarding, award being awarded in the second half. And so that might've had some impact on time in play. Um, so that's the, yes, it was different. And that's the definitely passes the eye test part of it. In terms of it being faster, I think that is the case, but there's not necessarily data that backs that up. Uh, one of the things that uh, another account, NRL Fanalytics, and I think he's on Reddit as Tunza, uh, posted some stuff on play the ball speed for the first half of the season, and it was actually down by about 1%. So that's not a, a big change, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the, the game was faster. You would think if it was faster, you might see an increase in play the ball speed. So again, yes, it probably was far, was different. There's more stuff being done, but not necessarily faster. It may be, there's just not a lot of data that backs that up other than the eye test. That's, uh, I think, really fascinating how you broke it down. Like, is there a reason, like, you used round 12 as the kind of splitting point or just um, divvied up in the second half of the year and, the, the, sorry, the, the post-COVID break into two halves, basically? That's, is that... that's a good question. I don't think, um, I think, okay, the reason I think I did round 12 is because the average for the year, so that was the 57, around 57 minutes, so before round 12, pretty much every game had at least 57 minutes of play. 
And after that, pretty much every game had less than 57 minutes of play. Not much, but just a little bit. So I think that was my delineation point is I could see, okay, if I apply the average line, um, and if you look at my article on the website, um, which is NRL 2020, how the game changed statistically, there's a chart that sort of shows the average line for time in play and each individual round is a bar chart and you can see where it's above and below that average. Um, and yet yeah, that round 12 was sort of where it stopped and started to go below the yearly average. So that's probably why I picked round 12. Right. So there, there obviously was um, some you know, thought process behind it. Uh, before Guy falls asleep, because we're just talking numbers and stats, Guy, did you notice anything, I guess, you know, probably nothing significant to, to from from your observation was the second half of the season slower compared to the first half or um i think it, it, it's not it wasn't really noticeable because of how minor it was but you could definitely tell um that it had gone it had moved away a little bit from the um those quick restarts and the, and the and they were starting to hold them down a little bit more they were getting away with it a bit more often and it's like any new rule like you implement something straight away and you're going to police the hell out of it but once it goes on a bit you just let a bit of stuff go so it, it wasn't overly noticeable but you, you could tell a little bit as the season went on see i guess the reason i'm kind of curious about this is because you know if you're right and yeah as you say it's it's common when you get a new rule. Yeah, you'll be more on 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 guard for it. You'll probably look to try police it more strictly, as you say. And if that's the case, then you know there might be worth some merit into digging a d- bit deeper into maybe players' scores from round three to twelve. Again, using that kind of delineation you've chosen there, Andrew, and then going from rounds thirteen to twenty and seeing if there's any major break. Uh, like, for example, you know, let's start with James Tedesco, obviously absolute freak. And for him, you know, he averaged post-COVID break. Uh, I think his total average for the remaining 15 games that he played, he averaged 99.6. But if you do break it down uh, between the two halves using round 3 to 12 and then 13 to 20, uh, I think Tedesco averages 107 from rounds three to 12, and then only, uh, I'll say only with uh, massive air quotes there, but he only averaged 90 for the remaining uh, games from 13 to 20, noting that he did miss a couple. So it's obviously a small sample size here, so it can be dangerous to read too much into it. But I'm wondering if that, you know, rounds 13 to 20 starts a bit of a downward trend, which might carry on to this year, or do we expect things to kind of get back to where they were at the start of the season or start of the post-COVID break. You know, that to me, like I think what you think of that will also have an impact on whether you think Teddy's 100% locked in to start in your team for the year because of his massive price tag. Um, there's a, there's a, a, something that comes out of that that um, I think if you get NRL Physio on the show in the preseason, I'm not sure if you're planning to, but um, he might be a, a good person to speak to about this is, Last year, and you mentioned it coming into it, last year was a bit of an anomaly and we had that big break after round two and players have come back with minimal training after being in lockdown. You've got a season where they basically played 17 straight rounds into the finals. There's no origin break. So I wonder if that second half of the season was an indication of fatigue setting in possibly on on the player's side, Um, you know, not getting a break, not having the right preparation and the fact they've had a full pre-season this year might indicate that 
might mean, sorry, that that doesn't happen this year. Um, and they will have, again, origin breaks possibly. So uh, it will be interesting to see how that happens and if fatigue was actually a factor last year because of the disjointed preparation. Well, it's certainly a question we'll definitely be running by uh, the NRL physio. Uh, you know, if things line up properly, he will be our guest for next week. So we'll definitely be doing a deep dive into not only that, but obviously all of the off-season injuries, rehab, recoveries, all of that type of stuff. So, yeah, that's uh, going to be an important episode as always. So we'll definitely dive into that a bit more. But I don't know, Guy, what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you think the second half of the season is more indicative of what we should expect from 2021? Or do you think it just... It's always a bit hard. Um, I, th- I think after the first couple of weeks, I'd say so. But you just have, like, at that, with all the changes through a number of teams, like you, you've got the dogs who've had a bit, a bit of a big shake-up. Um, the the Titans have got a number of um, new members to their squad that um, that always gives you a bit of a pep in your step to have a bigger preseason. But you're, some teams always come out a little bit either underdone or... Um, that they're going at a rate that you know they can't sustain over the whole season. So I think after the first couple of rounds, it'll probably average out to be something like that. But in those first few rounds, there's always a little bit of movement somewhere. Yeah, it's going to be a tough call because I know plenty of people are wrestling with the decision to Teddy or not to Teddy. And no doubt we'll go into a lot more detail later. But, you know, if you look historically for him, especially since he's been at the Roosters. I mean, normally in the last seven or eight games of the season, Teddy is usually going nuts for the last couple of years. So 2018, he averaged 96. 2019, finished at 105. Uh, comparatively for 2020, it was a little bit lower. If you look at his scores, aside from two massive tons, where he's 170 to 138, everything else is around the 60s and 70s. So there is that potential that maybe he, you know, as you pointed out, Andrew, maybe it was just a bit fatigued. But you compare to, you know, how he started, uh, especially in the post-COVID break uh, for 2020, 107, like I said, that was the, the big chunk of that average there. But then, you know, rounds 1 to 10 in the previous seasons, you know, 74, 64, even 63 the year before that. So there is some, maybe some, a bit of a trend that Teddy has been a bit of a slow starter on the whole up until this most recent season. So, I do think it's not as clear cut of a, an answer for this one because a lot of people just say, look, just lock him in, you know, don't don't worry about it. But you've got this guy who is sitting there with a 95 average, that's his price tag to start the season, and there's been multiple seasons where he's averaged 64 and 74 for 10 rounds um, before, you know, he obviously heated up towards the back end of the year. Again, you know, that's based off past historical data, which was, you know, it, it's not the six again era that we're living in at the moment so it's a lot it's a tough question i don't know where you guys stand on that maybe andrew do you have any thoughts on it i i mean i like rationally i tend to agree with you in that you're, you're paying for a 95 average and there's no guarantee that he'll have that but for me i was chasing teddy all of last year i had issues with injuries pretty much every week and had every week i was planning to bring him in i had two or three players i need to replace so if i start the season with him it's sort of a, a mental health um thing to do and make sure they don't have to stress about getting him in later and not having him and not being able to captain him so um, I'm probably going to lean to starting with him just the fact that then I don't have to worry about bringing him in later 
yeah, look, I think that's personally a, a perfectly rational argument there, just purely on mental health, or at least, you know, don't watch any Roosters games for the first couple of weeks until you finally find a way that you could afford him if you needed to. Guy, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, that's a, that is a big average to um, keep up. I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I can do it. Um, like, you've, you've got a bit of a change there in their halves. They're going to be playing in the inexperienced half. I know he sweeps to the other side on Kiri's side as well, but that's going to take some getting used to. You've got Cordner, who's not starting. I'd, I just think, and, and I don't know if, they're, if they'll be on the slide a bit. Like, their outside backs are another year older. I don't think I can justify paying for a 95 average to start the year. I'd try to make a team with him in it, and um, I just can't get it where I like it to with my forward pack, so I will probably won't be starting with him. It's a really tough one here. I don't know. Like Right now I don't have him in my team, but I was looking at some ownerships today. So somehow 26% of super coaches have him in their team compared to, I think, Turbo has 40.1% ownership. And look, maybe it's 26% where they've got Teddy and Turbo, which kind of is scary in itself. But, yeah, look, obviously we've got many weeks to still wrestle with this question. Uh, it's good to know where you guys stand, uh, you know, at this point in time. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more with on your side, Guy, at the moment. I don't have it in my team. I've tried to put him in a few times, but I just can't make the money work, like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of unrealistic teams out there who they've got Sam Walker sitting at their halfback position. They might have Josh Schuster at their five eighth position, and honestly, I think neither of them could could be starting round one. So, you know, if if you're not prepared to sacrifice somewhere, you might end up yeah with a pretty pretty ugly <laughs> uh, setup if you've just if you're committing to Teddy no matter yeah, what. Yeah, I mean, you look at if if you if you're chucking him in, you're keeping him up till he's either injured or playing for origin. And, I mean, the Seagulls should be pretty healthy to come back and they're, they're a better team with Trebojevic. And then they've got the Tigers. Rabbits might be a harder game. Warriors and then Sharks and Storm. So it's not like they've got a clean run through the first five games. Um, they've got some pretty good defensive teams in there. So, yeah, I'm 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 hoping that he's... Price comes down, but I'll, I'll I'll be needing some clean undies beside me just in case watching those games. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree on that. So one of the other things I guess we wanted to look into looking at the supercoach impact. I think Andrew, you had some interesting reading um, in terms of what impact these new rules have had, specifically on supercoach scoring. Do you want to take us through a little bit uh, more of that? Uh, yeah, so just to to bit of background. So again, I mentioned six percent up in playtime. So you would sort of expect that everything else would be up around six percent. Um, points scored were up six percent. Tries were actually up nine percent. So they were sort of over over indexing a little bit. Uh, line breaks were only up four and a half percent. So that's under indexing a little. So you sort of expect to see things along that same lines. What happened with set restarts is that it was probably more of an unintended consequence in that they wanted to bring it to speed up the game. But a lot of the clubs are using set restarts to um, tap, you know, give, they were giving them away on sort of one first or second tackle when some when a team was trying to bring the ball out of their own area as a way to generate to maintain field position and get a set defensive line. And so 
with these set restarts coming on tackles one, two, or three, it just basically meant that teams were resetting their their structure and they're doing you know, more more hit ups through the middle. So what we saw was uh, an increase in sort of one pass runs. They were the um, you know, sort of your standard um, uh, standard hit ups. Um, they were increasing. Um, one of the other aspects was there was nine percent fewer dummy half runs. So you were seeing less uh, less dummy halves, uh, less dummy, dummy half running. Um, so that was uh, that was a big a big part of it as well. So teams were being very um, predictable and less uh, expansive in their games. Um, passing, I think, was not up too much. Um, yeah, it was just really uh, a very basic basic um, structure. So you want one pass runs were up seven percent. Sorry, I was trying to think of that in the top of my head. I couldn't find it, so I was trying to drag it uh, up with me drag it up in front of me so teams yeah we're basically running through the middle and so the implication for that on super coaches obviously if you're getting more middle runs from runs from your middle forwards they're going to see an increase in in scoring and that was one of the things we saw locks last year so players who were named to play at lock so like jake dubovic or jason Tamalolo, players who started at lock had scores of super coach scores up by about 10 percent last year so Bear alluded to this on the pod last week that he's going to look at stacking his team with a lot of middle forwards, and I think that's a really strong way to go to ensure you've got a low floor. And it's not not a, a new strategy, but I think it's one that's even more viable at the moment with the way that set restarts have changed, um, the way teams are running the ball. So and, you know, I had a look at this in terms of I guess comparing um, you know their the averages. So looking at the number of players who average sixty five and above. Uh, it was yeah made for interesting reading as well. It definitely was an increase. So in 2018, we had just two front row forwards and four uh, second row forwards averaging 65 plus. Uh, in 2019, that increased to five front row forwards and eight second row forwards. Uh, but then big jump in 2020. So still only five front row forwards. But again, I think we've talked multiple times uh, about how difficult that position is. But uh, 12 uh back rowers average 65 plus. So that certainly, you know, backs up further, um, you know, the, the information you had there. Uh, and obviously it explains a lot in terms of why we had so many more players uh, scoring, you know, averaging 70 plus. Um, a lot of it would have been driven by these lock forwards. And, and a lot of these edge back rowers like your Angus Crichtons and your Ryan Madisons who will spend time defending in the middle as well. Uh, getting those extra tackles as well as uh, obviously the the runs and tackle busts they normally get. So uh, I think, you know, it's certainly something we need to be cognizant of in terms of deciding which guns we want to stick with and maybe looking at the impact of potentially, say, you know, a Tohu Harris comes to mind who spent a lot of 2020 playing in the middle, but with certain signings that they have, there's a chance that Tohu's going to move back and spend more time on the edge. I know I could be wrong about that, or maybe his minutes in the middle drop overall, but it's something to be mindful of if you're thinking about starting with someone like him. So was there anything else that you had really noticed that did you know have a significant impact in terms of Supercoach scoring? Yeah, from the, the set restarts and extra time in play, um, so I mentioned locks were up 10% last year in scoring. Uh, a few other positions, wings, fullback, and both half positions were up by at least 8%. Uh, so again, they're... They're the key positions, and we know they're the key positions, but they were the ones that really had the strongest um, increase from the extra time in play. The other positions all had an increase in scoring between sort of 1% and 3%, so they weren't really changing too much. 
Um, but you know, with the increase in scoring, uh, actually on the field scoring, so tries and the like, uh, that's where you're seeing wingers have such a, a increase. And then obviously with fullbacks, you've got Tedesco and and the the other fullbacks who had such great years. And then half position last year was wasn't great for five eights, but halves there was a lot of choices. So that also had a big increase. And that's purely just from from touching the ball more. So one of the examples I had just to mention was um, Nathan Cleary last year had an average number of possessions per game of 74 and that's up from 57 the year before and previously there hadn't been another player higher than 65 touches a game and that was Mitchell Pierce last year Um, so there was just a lot the halves were getting their hands on the ball a lot more and that's obviously great for Supercoach because the more they touch the ball the more they've got a chance of generating points so yeah just Getting, your, getting those sort of key positions right, um, uh, fullback and, and halves, is really going to be a big big factor. So I wonder, just kind of thinking about how we apply some of the observations and obviously some of these stats to our research and, and planning and then you know looking at particular players. Uh, the first, first thing that comes to mind, I guess, and it kind of bounces off a point that Joe, Joe Fitz brought up last week, is that a lot of 2020 we saw players, especially mid-rangers, their prices were correcting to adjust to as, you know, obviously the, the more, uh, you know, more, more time in possession, the ultimately the more points on offer across the board. So I wonder if there are certain players who didn't really get much uh, time playing in 2020, whose stats and, and prices, therefore, are more based upon, you know, 2019 uh, scores instead. Uh, I wonder, I'm not saying you have to think of them off the top of your head now, but I'm wondering if that might be a good place for us to dig into and, and see if there are players who, who might fit that. So uh, one who, who comes to mind, obviously, is someone like Jack Bird, who missed all of 2020 uh, due to injury. And that in itself comes with some question marks in terms of his own recovery and what role he might play. But I, I just wonder, yeah, maybe if there's a chance that Know, once he gets to play and if he has a starting role that his scores could end up catching up and his price obviously can move up quite quickly because of the fact that he he didn't get the 2020 kind of scoring bump that a lot of the other players got guy do you have anything that you can think of off the top of your head that might come off you know that, that you're thinking based on what we've heard so far uh no I'd, I'd probably have to do some digging for that or think that that's more of a stats thing can't, can't apply the eye test right now. <laughs> and Andrew, is there some any any you know obviously all this data analysis? Is there anything that you've drawn out from a supercoach perspective that you're really thinking about for 2021? Um, not really. I think Jack Bird's probably a good one you've mentioned because he didn't play 20 uh, in 2020, and I think there's probably a few others that I haven't really got in the top of my head um, who'd be worth doing. Um, the only one that that comes to my mind, and it's more just because he's one of my favourite players and tends to do well in some of the advanced stats that I have, is Daniel Alvaro. He's only 255k, could end up starting at front row for the Dragons possibly. Um, although given the news today, who knows what sort of a basket case there'll be this season. But at 255k, he could possibly average 45-50 and make a bit of money. But I don't know if that's a risk I'd want to take, but he's the only one that comes to mind at the moment. Yeah, I guess kind of bouncing off that, I was listening to the Talking League pod. Some of you might have seen me retweeting it on social media a fair bit. It's actually an NRL fantasy-based podcast, but uh, what's really interesting is they've been getting assistant coaches from all the various teams to come on. So they they had Matty Elliott, um, who's currently assistant coach at the Dragons, come on and one of the players he talked about was not Daniel Alvaro, but actually uh, Puasa Famasili, 
who was from the Roosters, loaned to the Warriors last year, and then uh, now finds himself at the Dragons. So there was some chat there that he might actually be in the line for a starting middle spot somewhere in the team. So um, he's actually cheaper than Alvaro. So I thought I'd throw that in there since you brought up Alvaro. Uh, someone, someone else to keep an eye on in terms of uh, you know whether or not he ends up uh, being relevant come Teamless Tuesday round one. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of players like that who we are, I think they're going to be relevant at the moment. And then once that first Teamless Tuesday came, comes in, they're going to be well out of sight, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, who knows where Cam McInnes is by round one this year, right? He could have, he could already be at the Sharks. Who knows? It's going to be crazy, crazy last couple of weeks of the preseason, that's for sure. All right. Well, look, thank you for taking us through all of that. I know it's kind of, it, for, a lot, for a lot of us, um, myself included, it, it's quite heavy, the analysis you've gone through, and sometimes it takes a while to digest. So again, where's your website? Because I think that's where, you know, if you've, you've found it interesting, you know, some of the stats and some of the points you've raised, uh, Andrew, that maybe people want to read more about it and actually see it visually. I think, as you, you pointed out, graphs and charts can make a lot of what you've pointed out a lot easier to digest. Give that a plug again so they know where to look. Yeah, sure. So the web- website name is the Rugby League Eye Test, and that's www.rugbyleagueeyetest.com. Uh, it's also on Twitter at League Eye Test. Um, and one thing I should point out as well is that uh, I actually use the Fox Sports stats, so that's what is used for Supercoach. So um, not the actual, not the official NRL stats. And there's not a great deal of difference, but just uh, thought I'd clarify that so people, when they're looking at it, know that what they're looking at is actual data that would be used for Supercoach. Uh, I think that's important to to mention as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then thanks for clarifying that because it's certainly no doubt for for those of us who've been around social media, it it drives us nuts when people start referring to NRL fantasy or NRL official stats for super coach related scoring and and points and things like that. Uh, So we might finish up there um, because I, I know it's getting a bit late for you guys. So thank you for taking time to chat with me tonight. Uh, before we finish up, I will give a couple of quick plugs. So uh, we're running our group competition again. So if you want to jump on, we've got the group code up. It's 538032. That's 538032. Uh, we're doing the same thing as last year. We've got the, the ring, uh, Supercoach Champion ring available, plus a $200 gift voucher to, I guess, the, the team of your choice, the winning team's choice. Uh, and, and that's up for grabs, obviously the overall winner for that. So definitely, if you're interested in being in the mix for that, um, join that group code once more, 538032, and we'll always give a weekly shout out to whoever's leading that one. Now, if you'd like to pick up one of those rings for yourself or for your league, your head-to-head league or whatever it is that you've got set up with you and your mates, you can jump over to supercoachchampion.com check out what they've got they've got a wide range of stuff not just nrl supercoach but others as well but uh if you use our promo code champ c-h-a-m-p you'll get 10 percent off your order and also free shipping so that code again c-h-a-m-p champ just make sure yeah you plug that in when you check out thank you again to supercoach champion for providing this ring yeah we do appreciate their support for the podcast as well as like I plugged before, we will continue our preseason episodes. We're hopefully going to have NRL Physio joining us next week to give us the full injury wrap and yeah, get some insight from him uh, from the 2020 season if he thought there was anything that was uh, particularly uh, important to note 
that may not carry on for 2021 as well. Shout out as always to our Patreon subscribers. Um, thank you for jumping on board for, for our new champs who've come on. Uh, like I said, we've got a new structure now. We've got the cheapies, the mid-rangers and the guns. Uh, if you'd like to know where to sign up or a bit more information about the different tiers, uh, hit me up on uh, Twitter or, or any other form of social media that you can find me on. But Twitter at CatfishSC. Jump in my DMs anytime you'd like uh, and I'll give you some more information about that for sure. But um, again, thank you for listening. We really appreciate your support. Uh, drop us uh, a review or subscribe if you'd like and we will catch you again next week. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Cheers, thanks. It